happening everybody welcome back to another episode of the program the dan cable presents podcast thank you for tuning in once again if uh, it's your first time thank you for joining us we got a uh, we got a great episode in store for you and uh as the people that know that regularly listen to this show we have some show notes because show the- notes everybody show notes put your hands together now show notes i love that song I I love it. he loves it he can't he can't help himself the crowd loves it he loves it you love it uh, yeah if you want to support the show in a free way please hit up the itunes where you are probably already listening to this podcast and uh, click the subscribe button and then click rate and review and give the show five stars and that will help uh, the show be uh, you know a little higher in the rankings and you are directly contributing to the uh, to the sustainability of this program you know if you like the show then then please write a review we need the reviews okay that's what I'm telling you that is what I'm saying today. You're using Tell pretty him. simple language, DC. You're using really pretty simple over. language. Hold them over while and, I find uh, a review. You know, it's not something difficult that he's asking for, really. I mean, wow. it's a small hoop to jump through for the program. And, you know, so when you're thinking about free things that you can do to show your love of other people and their efforts to try to be creative for your entertainment, then that's a nice way to do it. Wow. What do you think? Was that's that great. good? No, that was good. I liked it. I think... He- you said it. Did I nail okay. the essence of it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just rate and review on the iTunes. Please hit the subscribe button. Much appreciated. And all the artists that come on, they, they will appreciate it as well. And um, check out the YouTube channel. Hit subscribe there, and then you'll know when new videos fire up through there. Uh, just released was uh, the Some Aliens uh, video from the live, pro- the live not the live program, but the, uh, the live filming that went down at the Secret Society. And uh, that's kind of the first installment of what will lead up to a Tribe Mars short documentary, which is all in the works right now. So check that out. It just came out through Vortex Magazine. So check out uh, Vortex Magazine because they're great and always helping share the good word about what's going on here at the uh, Dan Cable Presents podcast. So uh, check that out. DanCablePresents.com. It's where you can uh, keep up with everything and get the freshest episode right away and and all that jazz. Uh, a couple show dates going on. If you're listening to this on release day, then uh, you should maybe head out to Haley Johnson's uh, release show at the Old Church because the Old Church is a, a pretty sweet venue to see some music in and all kinds Shout of... Shout out to Darren, the engineer over there. Shout out, dog. Great job, Darren. <laughs> uh, yeah, all kinds of friends of the show are playing uh, some, some sets before Haley tonight, like uh, Karen Ann who's working on a record right now, and Larissa Birdseye, who's about to put out a record in September here. Um, and and then also August 26th, next Dan Cable Presents events going down yeah. at the Alberta Street Pub. Where? We got a, at the Alberta Street Pub. Oh, we got a great lineup. It's a real good one. Pretty excited about it. Uh, we got Rare Monk 
Oh! Yeah, they, Rare Monk hey, really uh, stole you, your heart, did man. Did you say that those uh, Rare Monk videos are up on the, the YouTube page certainly now? Are. Oh, certainly are. Oh, man, certainly those are. guys are crushing. So cool. Mountaineer Mike really liked them. Yeah, that Rare Monk episode. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of a lot of bands on here, but those guys, particularly, that episode was very entertaining. <laughs> uh, so Rare Monk is uh, headlining that show at the Alberta Street Pub. And then we got Moto Pony from Seattle playing. Um, stoked to have Moto Pony down again. So um they were on the uh podcast not too long ago we did a little on the go out there in front of the good foot where they played uh last time they were in town and then uh my boys in hammerhead are opening up the show and uh they're gonna open it up with, i think a real fucking kick-ass set so maybe try to get there on time we're kicking it off at nine o'clock doors are at eight thirty. And Hammerhead, uh, they're celebrating the release of their new single, which is now available on Bandcamp and soon to be other places like Apple Music and Spotify. And it's called Way Back When. Uh, thanks to Rob, again, from Next Northwest, who did a, a sweet write-up on a little preview for that show. Appreciate the love and also uh, you know, featured the, uh, the Hammerhead single. So check all that out. It's a lot, I know. September 2nd, the Autonomics. Don't miss that. That's at the Doug Fur. That's their release show. Ice Queens is playing and Debbie Metal. The Autonomics are going to be on the show real soon. Probably in the next, uh, I don't know, five episodes or so. You're probably going to hear an Autonomics episode. So, I don't know. Get yourself familiar if you're, if you're not. Find yourself at the Doug Fur. That's what's shaking. We got episode 73 today. 73. How about boom. it? Boom. Hey, pal. I'm pretty excited about 75 coming up. That's yeah. going to be a real fun hang. I'm not going to tell you who's on it but <laughs> i'm i'm excited about it that's a good tease yeah okay. i'm i'm stoked it's just gonna be a really fun hang mm. and a, and just a cool celebration of 75 episodes yeah that's amazing can't believe we're nice almost work. there but uh this episode is small souls and i saw them play for the first time with friends of the show pretty gritty if you haven't checked out the pretty gritty episode check that out or check out one of the videos on there those tunes came out really really killer and uh, they had a cool story just about how they made that transition from everyday jobs to uh, being full-time musicians. So check out the uh, the Pretty Gritty episode. This is Small Souls, though. And uh, they have their new record, Unheard, Unseen, coming out here very shortly, as well as an album release going down on September 7th at the liquor store. And Pretty Gritty is on that lineup, so that's an opportunity to see both of those bands. But I really enjoyed this conversation with Brian and Brian of Small Souls, Brian Rosendahl and Brian Dost, I believe is the uh, the right enunciation. And uh, we talked about uh, their new record. We inserted some tracks from the record. And yeah, just enjoyed this conversation with these fellas over there at the Horseshoe Brass. You ever been there, Mountain Air Mike? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Horse Brass. Horse Brass. I did a really a lot of messing up on on names You're during this episode. Just, see, I'm not. I don't even know the horse brass. Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned their record name uh, on in the first segment of this. I, I butchered the name. I did it the uh, the flip flop, the old flip flop on the name. But we addressed it, and it's it's called unheard, unseen, not unseen, unheard. But uh, this is the track that uh, kicks the the record off. It's uh, called Body Needs Time. This is episode seventy three. Small souls. You stay at home in your kitchen drunk. 
refrigerator hums The cat crawls to the window and she's gone Brian and Brian. Hello. Small souls. How's it going? What is, uh, what is shaking? Uh, thank, thanks for hanging out with me here, taking some time. Talk about your, uh, your new record, Unseen, Unheard, and get to know uh, what this whole small souls deal is about. That sounds good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were just uh, a moment talking about them, but I... I think the first time I heard or saw you guys play, it was actually with Pretty Gritty at oh, the Firkin Tavern. At the Firkin, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember that, seeing you guys. That was probably, I don't know, maybe like six months ago at least, at least maybe. Yeah. Last December probably. Something like, oh, yeah. yeah, it was right before the tour that you the didn't go I, on. <laughs> the tour that I missed. You should tell that story. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, it's a really exciting fa- tale, a cautionary tale. Don't get sick. There were a lot of problems, but the first one was getting sick and then getting snowed in, and I tried to go meet them in Pendleton, and there was a car caught on fire in the road in front of me, and traffic was backed up for four hours. Basically, it boils down to we had like a 
over a week-long tour, and Brian got sick the night before, and then he, we kept making a plan, like, okay, I'm going to meet up with you guys tomorrow in this town, and it was like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling well enough, and then by the time you did try to make it out, you couldn't get through, and then we had a couple gigs get snowed out. Anyway, the, the whole tour, we took his guitar as an amp on tour, but we didn't take him, so... Nice. At least they got played, yeah. yeah. Probably played better... Well, yeah, I remember you guys were supposed to be leaving for tour after yeah. that uh, that show there. So I'm sorry that that didn't work out so well. <laughs> that's all right. We got to go out again, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, spend a decent amount of time playing outside of Portland and kind of on the road. More so, I'd say in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think when we first started playing as Small Souls and in its previous iterations, we were playing in Portland a lot more, like maybe once or twice a month, and after we went on our first tour, I was really hooked. I, I really felt like, okay, this is what I want to be doing with this music. Brian, Brian with a Y here, uh, was had been had much more tour experience, and I think sort of helped grease those wheels, so to speak. Well, that first tour we did uh, was as a trio with. Uh, we used to play with a mandolinist, Christian okay. McKee, who's now he's the director of the Oregon Mandolin Orchestra, and he also has his own band called the Big North Duo, who is great. You should have him on sometime. But uh, we did that tour. It was like a week, week or so down to California and Oregon and Washington, right? I think that's right. Yeah. We definitely went down to California. And it went so well. It went like oddly well. And <laughs> these guys were like, wow, tour is great. And I'm like, man, you, this isn't tour. This is like too good. Like all the shows were nice. We had great places to stay. We made money. We ate good food. I'm like... This isn't real. <laughs> real life. Yeah, like, we actually made money on that first tour, which yeah. is pretty. But I think it. Yeah, we 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 lucked out. Definitely set set the tone. Uh, Brian with the Y. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> How do you people dif differentiate between the the two Brians when they're hanging out with you guys? Is just there like pointing? Just pointing, because <laughs> obviously it's not a problem for you guys when you're hanging out. You're, yeah. When you say Brian, you just mean the well, other person. Yeah, but Brian with a Y has the nickname of Cattails. No. no oh wow. That that sounds like a nickname that you don't endorse. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you you forced my hand. I was uh, in in London uh, on tour with another artist, Emma Hill, and. We were waiting for a, a bus outside this bar, and I went in to use the, the bathroom, and I came out, and there's this group of guys out there and, like, drunk, you know, or pissed, as they say, in <laughs> jolly old London. And this guy, uh, I, for those of you who can't see me, which is everybody, I have uh, dreadlocks. And so this, this guy comes over and grabs my hair, and he's like, Oi, he's got cattails, you know? <laughs> so it's been this, this big joke, like, Oi, cattails, you know? So that's where that comes from. Yeah, actually, I saw you play a few songs with Emma at an open mic at the Corkscrew one night, like right before oh, you guys yeah. played at Kay's Bar. Yeah, no kidding. Emma's oh, wow. a super good cool. singer. And yeah, that, that was rad. Yeah, um, yeah, so prior to going on that, tour, that first tour that you had mentioned, uh, what was your touring experience before that? Like, how long well, had you been going out? On the I road. Mean, I've I've been touring since. Uh, Can you jump on that thing right just after, a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, I've been touring since past. like right after college, but uh, with like my old punk band and stuff. But um, I've really been touring, touring since I guess 2006. I, there was a band called Scotland Bar on the Slow Drags here in Portland. That's the first band that I started to really tour with, and then I started playing with Emma Hill, and she does a lot of touring. So those were my two two main 
touring yeah. acts for a while. And then I've kind of been doing like the for guy for hire kind of thing. So was uh, those tours like with the the first like the punk bands and stuff? Was that was that a lot of uh, just sleeping in parking lots and stuff in the oh, band yeah. and whatnot? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we definitely slept in parking lots and made probably lost money. I'm sure on all that stuff because we were idiots. But I mean, we we drove like. 3,000 miles in a week and, you know, for punk rock shows where, like, you're not guaranteed anything. and you know, Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. I've learned a lot since then, but uh, right yeah, on. it's a good experience. So when did uh, Small Souls come together? When did that all? Well, there was, there was a previous iteration of this band called Rosendahl, which is the other Brian's last name. And uh, that was kind of, kind of like a rock format. We had a, a drummer and a cellist, and then I kind of talked my way into that band. Uh, and that, that sort of fizzled at some point, right? I'm not exactly sure what happened, but Adam, Adam, our drummer moved to Pendleton. Right. And so, uh, we, and I think there were a couple other reasons that we were just like, all right, well, this isn't, this sort of ran its course. Um, but I had this other set of songs that were quieter, a little more folky. Uh, and I told Brian, um, actually ended up living with him for a little while at the time, and I just said, hey, I've got these songs, I'm not sure what to do with them, and so he said, yeah, let's demo them out, and then he started experimenting with them, and it sort of felt like we had found this new sound. Cool. Yeah, it sort of turned into a different thing when, when we didn't have, like, a rhythm section, you know, so we are like, oh, I don't know, let's just see what we can do with this, and then I just tried layering a bunch of stuff on it, and we posted them up on Bandcamp, and people really liked it, so we thought, well, maybe we hit on something here, you know? Yeah. Um so just kind of grew out of mutual respect for each other as musicians and yeah, really be- just became just this side project of what had already been started previous. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it definitely had a different focus. The, the fish sense. and chips are here, everybody. Um, the fish oh and God, chips have arrived so here at the, uh, the horse brass. <laughs> a plug that's, a free, horse that's a free shout out for the horse brass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, Going back a little further, before I met Brian, I released my first solo album. This was like my first foray into being a more serious musician. And that's Brian uh, basically auditioned for the band without being there. He downloaded songs from MySpace. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And then recorded pedal steel. Because our, our mutual friend Adam, who was our drummer, had said, hey, I have this friend who wants, I think he would be a great addition. He plays pedal steel, and I'm like, pedal steel? That's maybe a song or two. Like, we're not really a country band. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, um, he's a great musician, but he has dreadlocks. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't see that. You know, like, I've had guys with dreadlocks try to jam before, and I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. But then he sent me these MP3s with his playing over the top, and I was so impressed. I was like, all right, you have to come in and rehearse. And, but he wasn't as central in that band. He was really just sort of like filling out the sound, you know, like yeah. doing licks over the top. And so after that band, uh, after we went our separate ways and I gave these songs to Brian, I think at that point it really became much more collaborative. It was like, all right, here's more of a genesis of an idea. You know, it's not fully formed yet. What do you want to do with it? And, you know, I would say over the years, that's become more, that trust is built more and more, so that now I can say, like, really give him very raw material, 
and bounce ideas back and forth. Like, do we want this loud and rocking? Do we want it quiet? Do we want something, you know, like really what kind of instrumentation? And, yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, knowing that I can trust Brian with my babies or whatever, you know, like I think a lot of times songwriters are protective and as they should be at yeah. some points, right? So now it's like a little bit more, not just him layering a bunch of different sounds on it, but actually being a part of constructing the songs a little bit. Yeah, and Brian will even ask me, like, well, what's this main, like, what's this bridge when you sing this? Like, what's this about? And I'll say, well, I'm kind of going for this feeling. And he'll go, okay, well, let's try harmonium on that. I'll be like, oh, all right. You know, or or whatever it is that sort of fits the, the, the whole vibe of, like, lyrically what's happening as well. Yeah, it's trying to trying to use the arrangements to uh, to sort of highlight and underscore parts of the lyrics to yeah. to sort of make make those parts jump out the way I want them to. You know, might maybe have a little bit more impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah to they, enhance the drama, really. Yeah, <laughs> they help tell the story, yeah. really, and we'll get definitely like a little deeper into unseen and unheard, which is your your new record, and but. I think that definitely comes across on the record, like those things you're talking about as far as, you know, just providing some uh, some extra drama or dictating things that like where the lyrics are coming through with the with the music, it seems to, to really flow well. That's great. I mean, that's what we're going for, obviously. Um, did you guys meet here in Portland? We did. We did. So uh, I moved to Portland in 2003, and I think... Brian, 2004? Uh, 2005. 2005, shortly thereafter. But we started, I think we really met in 2009 after I put out that solo album. And uh, and then Brian was at that time playing just with Emma, I think, right? You had Scott passed. So Scotland Bar and the Slow Drags, who he had been playing with for years. And so at that point, Brian was looking for another local project. Yeah. So you guys have both been around these parts for long enough to to really see the uh, the change in the last 10 to 15 years and yeah, the goods and the to, bads of, of all that. Yeah, long enough to not, not be the newbies anymore and to be complaining about the newbies. To be pretty grumpy <laughs> now about it. To yeah. be complaining about all the people who are moving here, yep. even like this, though you also moved here. Traffic, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what's the dynamic between you two like currently as far as the, the songwriting? Is it is it just you, Brian, bringing like uh, like these skeletons of songs in, these ideas? That's it. That's it, pretty much. And then just um, flushing them out as like, a unit. Right, a chord structure, you know, and a melody, and often that's it. Sometimes not even the structure of the song. On one song on the album, this was the one that was probably the most like take it apart and jigsaw it back together a song called turn the volume down okay where we just rec- i had a couple different parts i was like oh i want this part i want this part and this part we recorded those separately and then on what was it logic i think we did that in pro tools but we just cut them up into chunks so we had like an a section b section and c section and we didn't know how they were going to fit together so we just uh, created like regions you know recorded all the parts and then just kind of move them around kind of like puzzle pieces until we found a structure we liked that the lyrics would fit over and then we kind of said okay that's the structure and then we learned the song that way you know from from the cut up recording and and that's why it's one of the most difficult songs to play it sounds like <laughs> such a simple song and every time we're like oh my god every verse is different and every chorus is different yeah. holy crap 
We yeah. screwed ourselves. <laughs> no, it's it's always funny to when you talk to bands, you know, you, you listen to their records and, and then you go see them live and you're like, man, I really wanted to hear that song. And a lot of times you get the opportunity to talk to them after the show and be like, hey, uh, why didn't you play this song or do you ever play this song? And they're just like, we don't we don't know how to play that song. Actually, <laughs> like it just came together in the studio. Created There's like so studio. much production. Yeah involved on on certain tunes it's it's funny to, to we, hear that we started to bring some of that production like on on this album we have some songs that are uh, completely uh, acoustic and we have other songs that have a lot of electronic elements and, and part of the when we st- sort of started kind of finding the the threads of this album part of the one of the common threads was uh, combining electronic and organic elements and so for the stuff that has like drum machine on it which is really supposed to sound synthetic uh, we use those backing tracks on the live show, so we, we'll play like "Lucid Dreaming" with the drum machine and all that stuff already in there. So it's like kind of bringing a little bit of that electronic, uh, you know, kind of robotic experience into the live show as well. But it was important to us too to be playing our instruments. You know, like I've definitely seen people play with backing tracks and press a button and sort of stand there awkwardly, and then they wait till their point to sing. So we thought it. Would, you know, we still are playing live over those tracks because uh, we're hoping that will be more compelling. <laughs> to see yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, as we'll get into, like, I think even on the album, it comes across as, you know, the live instrumentation with the electronic notes, you know? So, right, right. Uh, yeah, you said lucid dreaming. So, this would be like a perfect uh, segue into checking out that song on the record. So this is from uh, Unseen and Unheard. This is uh, Small Souls with uh, Lucid Dreaming. Fuck you, everyone, till my 
Yeah, that, that is uh, lucid dreaming there from unheard, unseen, as I have been corrected. I apologize, <laughs> fellas, for the, uh, <laughs> the mishap. The notes, no the notes are sometimes, you know, they steer me in the wrong direction sometimes. And I have the record. That's all right, Cable Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I have the uh, record right here in front of my face. So now I have better reference. But uh, that, uh, that Lucid Dreaming song is probably, I don't know, if not one of my favorites on the, on the record. No, thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. And you know, as we kind of like already started touching on, this record is just a very cool mix of those electronic and, and live instrument uh, productions and yeah it's just really cool to how the how the electronic stuff kind of finds finds its way in there because it, it does come across as like very organic and not forced and it sometimes gives it like a postal service feel or even oh right like yeah even they, they did that so well yeah yeah and I mean and there's stuff that's pretty heavy overall like content wise uh on the record and, and yeah. definitely has like some dark overtones so it, it even can feel nine inch nailsy with some of the stuff going on oh, not not quite like that far but like right. just some of those vibes definitely eight like inch, come through nails. <laughs> <laughs> eight, we're not quite nine eight inch eight nails <laughs> we aspire um but yeah it's just uh it's cool to see the crossover of those those things coming together and definitely was a a bit of a change from the previous the self-titled record it was yeah for sure well, um, that that song in particular lucid dreaming was kind of the bridge i think sort of between our old sound and where we arrived on this album because um as i mentioned before we'd been playing with a mandolinist regularly and he was a, a big part of the the, uh, the the band and the sound and he also performed on this record as well and he had to leave the band. Uh, he's got a family and all that kind of thing, so he couldn't do the touring we wanted to do. So once he left the band, it was just sort of uh, like we kind of had an, a moment to kind of reflect and go like, okay, well, if we're not going to have mandolin and this third harmony, what are we going to do to sort of fill this out? And I think it was your idea to, to start messing around with the drum machine and doing that kind of thing. Yeah, specifically on this song, actually on Lucid Dreaming, that, that's the first one where it was like, what if we just had this very simple drum machine that never changes, just the steady beat in the back. It felt like it fit the vibe of that song right. Yeah. And we, it was like this weird threshold we, we crossed when we brought the laptop out to the, <laughs> the first rehearsal. <laughs> we're like, all right, man, I don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> it's not pure. <laughs> Our souls have been soiled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a song like Existential uh, Midlife Crimes, that's a great example of uh, all the great production and electronic stuff going on as well, and cool string work on there. And Thanks. Yeah, we had uh, some friends who, uh, good friends of ours who did the strings, uh, Kylene King, Patty King, and Jesse Detweiler. Um, I was roommates with Kylene King for a few years, and um, they're all fantastic musicians, so we definitely knew we had to get them on the record, and I, I love what they did on that on that song. Yeah, they really nailed those parts. Um, as far as like playing a song like that live, is is uh, most of all of that present? Like everything you hear on the record, is it? Are you guys able to? Uh, yeah, that that's one that we do with a backing track. So okay. we we perform our parts live, and everything else is is in there. It's in the mix. Right on. How many different instruments are you playing, like uh, in, the, in the live setting? Well, I usually switch between banjo and pedal steel. Okay. And then uh, backing vocals. 
And then in the studio, I played some other stuff too. Like I played bass on this record, and uh, we layered a lot of vocals and things like that. I did the string arrangements and whatever little auxiliary instrument, like little keys here and there, that kind of thing. Just guitar. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the songwriter. But I wrote man. the songs. You're the songwriter, he man. He needs me still. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of the songs, though. Like I said, uh, it definitely all has uh, a very heavy weight, it seems, it to does. it. You know, it's definitely, yeah, there's some dark vibes on, on here. And, I mean, I dig the shit out of it because I'm just down I'm down for that. Um, <laughs> well, it ain't, it ain't Jack Johnson, you know. <laughs> it's not that accessible, but um, I feel like I've always been drawn to Brian's songwriting because it has even a song that's like, Oh, this is a song about family, but it's a dark song about family. Yeah, you know, but and he just taps into this, even especially on the, on the a song like "Lucid Dreaming." Um, first time you played me that song, I was like, "Wow, man, that's intense." <laughs> it's gonna piss some people off, and I love that. Like, I I just love how raw it is. I mean, you say stuff in that song that like nobody is saying, you know, and and that's why I really related to that song. Yeah, man. I mean. It's even in on this record. You have that line that's uh, I've always said how I felt, so I won't say anything, right? <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, it's oh, on existential midlife crimes, right? Right. As far as like this collection of songs, was there an overall inspiration for it all, or is each each song kind of a different piece? Uh, I feel like the songs to me feel cohesive in the sense of like themes. Uh, of trying, you know, I've often approached songs like questions, like I don't, I don't quite understand something lyrically or, uh, you know, writing the music too. Like, well, what, what could happen here, or how does this work, or things that really trouble me. I try to articulate those in songs, and uh, yeah, it was coming out of a couple dark years, like a p personal things that were that were struggles and felt like really the the exercise of those emotions kind of helped me stay sane you know and it felt like i i hope it's not pure catharsis because i think that that's a little tough for people to listen to but um hopefully there's enough in there that people can relate to it right that's what you hope that it could reach other people that way no i mean it, i think it comes across very genuine and that you you know in question form a lot you know just questioning the the ways of of the world and whatnot and, and right. relationships and, and things of that nature and um yeah i just think there seems to be like a real rawness to to what you do lyrically and i think that sort of vulnerability is is very uh engaging to me and oh, also thanks. very like i don't know it comes across very honest though i don't feel like you're doing it you know saying these things for shock value you know and i think that's when there's that was my that concern line. like especially with lucid dreaming where it's definitely a not safe for work kind of yeah song and absolutely and, you know i i often use brian with other brian with a y as a sounding board for that i think i was pretty unsure about playing lucid dreaming um and there's an, the last song on the album as well it's like you know it just feels very open and raw and i know that it's had uh, caused some emotional reactions when we played it live. So it's like, how is this going to go over? And Brian's been very supportive and all that. And well, I think that's one of the main things that art and music is supposed to do is, I mean, connect people emotionally, make, make somebody feel something. Even if they're feeling something personal, 
that's going on in their life is just relating to this song that you wrote that's personal to your life, you know? And I, I think that's what's so cool about it. It's like you're not trying to write like some some general song that, oh, well, anybody can relate to this. Like, hey, baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, no, here's the Looking song. for my lost shaker of salt. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hang on Jimmy Buffett, man. <laughs> I mean, what if he really lost his salt shaker? But... But you know that you're you're writing some very personal things and very specific things, especially you know in a song like Greyhounds, uh, and that's what I think makes that song so powerful. And for, I mean, first time you played that for me, I you know almost fell over. I mean, it was like wow. Yeah, man, Greyhounds. I have that that noted as just like a perfect example of of that rawness. And uh, has it always been easy for you to be like pretty forward and? outward with your lyrics like that and just very uh forward with your feelings like just putting it out there yeah no i don't think so um i think this this record definitely represents the most honest and open lyrically at least I, that i've been trying to go for uh you know for years i played at this open mic uh over at the white eagle the mcminimans white eagle in north portland and you know, I went in there really coming out of playing mostly in like rock and punk bands. And all of a sudden I'm up there with an acoustic guitar and it's like the most terrifying thing. And there was just this great community of musicians who, it was almost like a, like a songwriting boot camp in a way. And there were all these great songwriters. And, you know, it's not like anyone says like, that's a good song, that's a bad song. But you just get like... People are very quiet on the songs that don't work so well, yeah. and you know, and and those songs that do work well, people are much more vocal. Uh, so I think that helped boost the confidence and try to take more risks. Yeah, it's it's always nice to have a spot like that to go to, um, especially like somewhere you can go on a weekly basis and test out new songs, and you you can really just kind of gauge by the audience. And I've found, I don't know, I found that there to be like a really good open mic community in general here in Portland. There has been for years, yeah. yeah. Um, where I saw Brian and Emma play a few songs at that Corkscrew one that was that went on for a long time. It does not exist anymore, but my friends, uh, yeah, Jen seem, and Chris. They seemed to burn out eventually, but uh, that White Eagle one was, I mean, it was at least 10 years, right? It was It was 10 years, yeah. yeah. John Vecarelli was the host of that one, and that was a really good community. A lot of the people that we played shows with originally, like as Rosendahl and as Small Souls, came from that group and uh, even though that there's not a really a cohesive group anymore it's still I mean we still as a as a Rose and John Ransom and like all those folks are all from that that group of people yeah right, right. Um, so are you, are you guys gonna hit the road a little bit here with this this new record out now we are we're uh, heading north on Saturday going up to Tacoma and gonna be in the northern Washington area down to the Bay Area and then back for our release show at the liquor store on the 7th. And like outside of those dates, do you guys play a fair share of dates like outside of Portland and other parts of Oregon and Washington pretty often? Yeah, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been going out probably two or three times a year for a couple of weeks at a time. So not extensive. Uh, and that really had to do with my work schedule and when I could get off. But after the release of this record, uh, we're planning a bit more touring. So we're going to be going out again in December and then hopefully in the spring again and a bit more regularly touring around. Probably Pacific Northwest mostly, but West Coast and then, you Alaska. know. We, yeah, we've been going up to Alaska once a year in the summer usually. So we do a couple weeks up there every year. 
Yeah, what's what's it like uh, touring up in Alaska? Alaska is cool. It's it's kind of its own market. Um, but yeah, Emma Hill, who I play with, she she does some booking work up there. So she brought us up the last couple of years in a row. And uh, yeah, it's cool because um, in the summertime, there's a lot of tourists up there. Okay. And so there's there's more people to play to. Uh, but Alaskans are very receptive and appreciative of, of live music. They love live music. So Just because they don't often get everybody rolling through town? I think that's part think? of it, yeah, because it's so far away. Not a lot of people make it out there. You yeah. Know? Although that's starting to change. I think more and more, especially from yeah. Portland, more and more artists are, are uh, heading up there because it is so supportive. You can make money on tour. And, yeah. You know, really find, uh, like Brian said, appreciative new audiences. And you guys are obviously able to go up there for long enough where like, it makes it worth it to go up there. There's enough shows that you can play and Oh yeah, in a couple yeah. weeks up there. Some of our, I would say, some of our best tours financially have been there. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, man. I I appreciate the tunes and everything. I've been been sitting with them for the like the last week or two since since Alex Hager sent them over to me and uh, yeah, it's just been really intrigued by the lyrics and everything. And every time I listen to it, I I hear like maybe another line that I didn't catch the first time. And just all the all the music production on it is super rad. So wow, man! Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, though. I still get. I mean, there are songs that we've been playing for years, and then I'll be like, "Oh, that's what that song is." I mean, it, it'll take me like two years sometimes to figure out a song, unless I ask you specifically what it's about. You know? Sometimes he tells me what they're about, and then I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's what I meant." Yeah. <laughs> um, songs about dogs. <laughs> No, I hope that you continue to uh, push the boundaries a little bit and and say what you want to say. Like, keep doing that because I think it's very... Thank you. I well, mean, that's, you know, so part of the freedom of being an unsigned nobody artist <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, artistically you can do what you want. And uh, I right. hope that regardless of what happens with this album, that we can retain a commitment to that, yeah. to that uh, ethos. Because I know, I know, like you said, you don't you don't want to, like, necessarily like push people away or turn them off but i think it's all right to make people uncomfortable a little bit every once in a while you know i say that all the time like people need to be a little uncomfortable if it's if you know if stuff is too easy to absorb and then it you know there's no challenge at all to it yeah i just find that boring you know and uh, i hear that a lot in music just in in pop music and in general in in this country and i don't know that it kind of turns me off so i'm glad that that you kind of you know dug into that a little bit i want them to enjoy the music though <laughs> yeah no no i think <laughs> it's okay to be yeah but I, I i will i say that but i also am really appreciative of brian supporting that like because definitely the lyrics sometimes i think that you know very intentionally meant to make somebody feel a little uncomfortable what's uh what's the most uncomfortable line for you to say <laughs> when you guys are playing you like say for, it right now yeah go ahead okay so it's from lucid dreaming where i say fuck you everyone until my cock is numb from all the fucking which is i was actually very much against cuss words <laughs> i don't know if you knew this but i, I hated hearing cuss words in, in lyrics i always thought oh it sounds terrible but then there's that great elliot smith song what is it the one about the rose parade and he's like the, the trumpet has obviously been drinking because he's fucking up even the simplest of lines <laughs> he says it and it's just like so smooth and pretty i'm like wow cuss words can be pretty yeah. I mean, also, you're not saying it like to just an acoustic guitar. There's a lot of like, there's, it's a big band moment during that time, you know. Yeah. So it's it's right, it's mixed in 
And, and I think the first time you played that song for me, you were even you were a little unsure, like, is this too much? And I, I think I talked you into keeping that, right? You did, you did. Yeah, I, I think especially a line like that, it does feel like, could this just be taken as shock value, which is not something I want to do. I don't, you know, I don't want to just like, oh my God, he said the thing that nobody will say, as if that's like the merit of that line. Like, I hope people would listen to the whole song and hear that line and be like, ugh. Like, yeah, you know. understand the context of it. And, and, but when, whenever you get to that line, like when we're playing that live, I, I just see reactions on people's faces. And I, un I understand that some people are just reacting to like, oh, he said a bad word, you know. <laughs> but other people understand the context of that line and why it's so powerful, you know, because you're just like, I'm done, you know. Right, right. As well as the vulnerability to get up and say it in front of a bunch of crowd full of strangers or... 21 and over crowds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, we have to yeah. nix that one from the playlist regularly. Yeah, when we're playing in front of kids or families, obviously we don't do that one. But. Um, well, on the flip side, something that's a little uh, less, uh, you know, a little less fuck you. <laughs> Hopefully they're the, all uh, a little less fuck you. <laughs> one of the lines I really dig on this record is uh, what you give and what you give up to be complete. Oh, right, from Waves from, and Waves. From Waves and Waves. That is uh, that's a good one. That's, oh, thanks. Yeah, that was one of the ones that, that really resonated with me when I heard it the first time, and I was just like, that's a great line, man, because, yeah, it's a, a lot of times it's about what you, what you give up to be complete and not like what you give. So I just felt like you articulated that very well. It's wow. a simple statement, but it's... Uh, just makes so much sense. Finally, the recognition I so <laughs> richly deserve. Right here on the Thank Dan you. Cable Presents podcast, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Cutting edge. Well, should we? Uh, is it a good time to, to play that one? Yeah, we'll probably play it out with waves and waves. Um, but where can where's a good place for people to keep up with you guys so they can, uh, I don't know, give the old Facebook page a like or something? That would be great. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're the only small souls on Facebook music. Small souls music, I think it is. It's very searchable. When you yes. put it into Google, yeah. things come up for your band right away. That's good. <laughs> it's that's good. good. <laughs> and then it's Small Souls Music on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a, our website is smallsouls.net. We're actually kind of working on refurbishing that right now. But, yeah, we're on all the different social medias. Cool. Well, I know people kind of listen from all over, not just here in Portland. So maybe, maybe someone down there in California or uh, Washington up there will uh, – Come see a small soul show. Show I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> That's how good this conversation was. I can't speak anymore. Uh, but yeah, I encourage You've been people. Devastated to by the emotion. <laughs> like that, the lyrics. Yeah. It's uh, it's Might upsetting. Be the beer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or the beer. Um, we end each episode of the podcast with uh, one of the guests or both of the guests saying it's a program, which is the uh, the tagline for this podcast. So if you give us a good, it's a program, Brian. We can. Uh, All right, you ready? Let's it's a program. <laughs> he nailed it. He nailed it. No, no questions about it. That's Small Souls, everybody. Thanks for tuning in once again. We're going to play this uh, out with a song from their hit album and proper album title, Unheard, Unseen. This is Waves and Waves. Catch you on the flip side, Portland. Crossing out empty puzzle sheet Taking your coffee With sugar and cream
and ways Possibilities What you give and what you give up to Treading through water I don't want to meet And I can't remember How to stay on my feet and waves and waves Possibilities What you give and what you give up to and pencils like the artist reborn the painting and painter hanging together in a reflection till the moment is gone <laughs> It's a program. <laughs>